Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the middle and high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapters. Here you will find practical tips for your agriculture classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, please be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit our webpage at owlpelletsfrag.wordpress.com. Hello, Owl Pellets. This is Brian, Kate, and Marshall here by the Owl Pellet. We are excited today to have with us Marshall Swafford from Eastern New Mexico State University. Marshall, thank you so much for being here today. And as we talked about, we're going to have two Marshalls on the, on the show today. And so you'll be Marshall. And Baker is going to be M. Diddy. <laughs> M. Diddy in the house. I very, very rarely have ever been on a call where someone else has my weird name. So congrats, Marshall. We both have weird names. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was very rare that you'd been on a call where anyone called you M. Diddy. And I was like, I'm, if that has ever happened before in your whole life, like I'm kind of impressed. M. Diddy is like kind of my name. Yeah, your, your non-professor name. <laughs> Right. That. Look up my YouTube channel with all my, you know, <laughs> my so, so usually we wait to digress till later in the show, but today we're starting <laughs> right off with, with the digression. You can't call me M. Diddy and just run past that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marshall, Swafford, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you guys got going on there at Eastern New Mexico State, and then we're going to go in and tell us what we're going to be talking about today. Well, as we already talked about, Marshall and I have the best first name ever, and I have been here for three years, getting ready to start my fourth. I'm an assistant professor of ag education, and down here in lovely eastern New Mexico, uh, when the wind's not blowing 100 miles an hour, uh, we typically try to engage in the, most of the things that typical ag teachers try to do, um, and when it really gets to blowing, we just kind of hide out and uh, pretend that the wind's not blowing, and... Uh, you know, enjoy the fact that it's not 95% humidity when it's 106 outside. <laughs> like Florida, that's us. I, mean, I was going to say, Brian doesn't know what that's like. <laughs> we're at 99.999% humidity at 6 in the morning right now. It is fantastic. Ugh. You need gills down there. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Marshall? So back in, the sp back in the fall, I guess it had been about a year and a half ago, I ran a little research project with a high school up on the Navajo Reservation in Northwest New Mexico up by the Four Corners. And this is a unique high school as it is 99.99% Native American, Navajo. Uh, the one hundredth of the percent of students that aren't Native American are a handful of teachers' kids who aren't Navajo, <clears throat> uh, Navajo uh, Indians. And so <clears throat> the ag teacher up there and I were having a discussion one day about you know, what it takes to get students involved in, in ag education and, and to look at going to post-secondary education in agriculture. And this project kind of evolved from that conversation with the teacher. And what I wanted to do was just kind of begin to lay a 
foundation for why students participate and why students don't. And it kind of led me into what this little poster is now, which is actually being turned into a, a journal article as we speak. Well, I guess not as we speak, but probably yeah. next week when I get done with this. You know, I thought I heard you typing there for a minute. I didn't know if we were going to be like given acknowledgments or something. <laughs> I will be happy to, if, if it helps with the reviews, I will be happy to uh, throw those in. <laughs> One of the cool things that I want to point out here that I, that I think is really exciting, especially for those folks. Cause I also know we've got some pre-service folks. We've got some grad students that listen to the, the podcast. The research idea came from talking to te to a teacher. And I think that's the coolest way that we'll, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what our pellets is all about is how do we connect research to ag teachers and how do we help ag teachers actually answer the questions that they have every day in their classroom. And so Marshall, I commend you for, for doing that and, and really making that connection with the ag teacher um, to, to look at what happened here. One of the things that I really try to do down here is connect with the teachers and I'm pretty good friends with most of them as Marshall knows some of these people down here. Uh, they're really pretty good people and there are some ag teachers that really want some answers and want some help and I saw this as an opportunity to one uh, learn something new but to at least put some information out there for those teachers that do work with this unique student population and what some of the opportunities are that exist to uh, engage these students in these programs without insulting them or their culture. And that's where really this was kind of driven from. Well, I know that. So I traveled, you know, as a state officer way back like 1800 years ago. Um, and you know, when I went to the Northwest part of the state and started meeting with all those chapters, there were just always these unique circumstances that I wasn't ready for and I wasn't prepared for. Um, you know, like I went to one school and they were just, I'm ready for, uh, you know, icebreakers and my, my normal chapter visit. And they were much more as a class, just subdued and more quiet. And it was just a really difficult situation as an 18 year old to try to adjust to. And then, then you've got the whole, you know, station by the owl, which is kind of an, an issue. Yeah. Um, you know, and it just, I love that you're doing this work because if we are going to be inclusive, we've got to be aware of those. Can we back up for a minute as someone with very little tribal experience can, and, and I might, I'm hoping that I'm representing a group of our listeners. Can you back up for a second and, and talk to me about the station by the owl problem? That's a, the, a, the owl is a Native American symbol and correct me if I'm wrong, M. Diddy, but it has to do with, um, a symbol for death and uh, the, that student population, that culture does not view the owl as wisdom like we do in this context. It is a symbol of death and there are students uh, in ag education programs here in the state that do not participate in FFA simply because of that owl symbol. Uh, the Muscalero Apache down by Ruidoso, there's a school that actually has an ag teacher, they have an ag program but they do not participate in any FFA activities because of that symbol. And so that's one of the issues that we run into here is a lack of awareness of the culture from an outside perspective, which really has, I guess, driven the lack of participation in the organization because we are simply unaware because we have not continued to pay attention to those groups. Wow. So, and you were had mentioned that in your in your data, you you went and uh, with your study tried to find reasons for participation, or what was the participation rate overall? What did you find? 
so in the state of New Mexico, there's roughly 3,500 FFA members, give or take, plus or minus a handful in there. And there's about 150 uh, students that identify themselves as Native Americans who are FFA members. And there are much more students engaged in ag programs here in the state. Uh, one of the big issues is one, the owl thing, as far as FFA, but just taking FFA and, and setting it aside and just looking at the educational component, uh, there are a lot of issues that contribute to why students do not participate and or look to uh, extend their academics through post-secondary education because of the cultural factors that really drive what they do and what they do not do. Uh, the Native American culture here, at least on the Navajo reservation, is very traditional. Uh, if you are a student who is, who is attempting to pursue higher education, you are viewed by your friends, family, uh, other tribal members as, you know, are you too good for us? Uh, why? What's, what, what's wrong with staying here? Um, there's a lot of family issues that drive why students don't. Uh, families actually really don't want their students to leave, their children to leave to go and pursue higher education because they're afraid they'll never come back. And so since the family component is very, very important there, uh, that really drives the lack of education. That and, you know, you've got a 40% graduation rate among Native American students in New Mexico, and only a third of those will ever actually attempt higher education. So you're looking at a, a group of students who are, you know, beyond first-generation college students, they may be first-generation high school graduates, which really changes up the whole dynamic of going to higher education at all. So as you look at this work that you've been doing here for this study, and as well as your other work that you've been going on, what's a couple of things we could talk to the ag teachers that are listening to the podcast? What We have folks across the country that are look, listening to this. What's the message for them, whether or not they, they may or may not be teaching um, in a school that has this 99%, you know, Native American population. What are some, some things that the, that ag teachers could be, could be taken from your work? You know, I guess, and it transcends all demographic backgrounds. The f most important thing that any ag teacher can do with their students is listen, get to know your students. The more you know your students, the more you understand their wants and needs and desires, you will be a better uh, career counselor uh, and career advisor because you have a better understanding of what they actually want and instead of trying to put all of our students into a box as far as what their desires are to go uh, into higher education or what they do for their career by having an understanding of what your students want you're going to be able to do a better job tailor making how you advise your students to pursue higher education or go directly into the workforce. And it's kind of like some of the work we all do with uh, trying to promote ag education as a career option to students. You know, one of the things that kind of exists out there that I found here recently was that teachers who knew their students more effectively were less likely to promote ag education as a career to their students because those teachers had a better understanding of what their students actually wanted and are more likely to kind of push their students into the career that best suits them rather than pushing them into a career that best suits the ag teacher. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, we are talking about Native Americans. Um, but, you know, when this conversation just makes me think about um, even the broader perspective of, you know, we struggle all the time. And, you know, we can get really focused on how do we help African Americans be more engaged? And how can we help the Hispanic, Latino community be more engaged? Or, 
the LGBTQ community? How can they become more engaged? And I think about that's a conversation and we have them in isolated you know, groups. But as we look at those conversations, really that comment of get to know the kids and then you may not know, you know, here we are talking about the owl. We probably butchered that. Like we probably don't really know at a deep level what that's about. But if you ask, you know, I think that is so critical. You know, if you know each kid and you can be aware of their cultural background, man, this conversation can fit many, you know, different situations. And it's all about relationships. And it's all about, it's not your necessarily culture or your beliefs even. It's just being able to listen to the student and be an advocate for them in that public school setting. Man, that's like such valuable insight that I think sometimes we can forget. You know, it's a willingness to, to, to ask the question and not know. I mean, not to try to fake that you know all this stuff, but to go into it to a new, to a culture that's not your own and to ask those questions and be genuinely wanting to learn more about it. Because even this specific example, talking about Native Americans, we want to, we want to kind of in our minds, sometimes pigeonhole what states where these are, but really this is across the country. People probably don't know. We have a very large Native American population in Florida that, that, we, work with, that, that we work with, and unfortunately we don't work with close enough. We have a lot of room to grow in here. Um, in other parts, in other states, all throughout the Midwest and the West, there, there's, there's a lot of opportunities here, even in the Southeast. And so I think this is something that we need to be thinking about this and be willing to, to not be comfortable and are willing to not know all the answers and to really just use it as an educational opportunity for us. So Brian, can I ask you, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second sure. with that because I, 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 <laughs> Marshall loves it. I do. That's okay. Sorry. You can pick on me. I, I want, remember, it. I do the editing for, or for the final podcast, <laughs> so I can just put this out later on. True. Okay. Um, and this is actually putting both of us on the spot because it goes directly to what you were just talking about. So when you all, Marshall and M. Diddy were talking about the um, importance of the owl in Native American culture. I was this close to not saying anything. Brian, if I had not asked the question, were you going to ask the question or did you already know or were you just going to let us gloss over it? I knew, but I saw the look on your face that you didn't. <laughs> the only reason I knew is just some of the work that we did when I was on the National FFA Board of Directors and we talked about that this particular issue and we we're talking about um, the jacket and we were talking about other things like that. And that would be the only reason that, that's the only reason that I knew. It's because I'm old. I'll just say I'm, I'm old and have, have had more life experiences than, than you. Well, and quite frankly, like that's just one little shiny thing that's kind of interesting for ag ed. But, right. you know, in New Mexico, we would always go to the reservation and we went there as a state officer team and went and watched the tribal dances. And like, I thought that's what Native American life was. Then you come to Oklahoma and there are I mean, a very large percentage of Native Americans, but the structure here is different. It's not as reservation-based. It's all these civilized tribes that are integrated into communities and tribal lands work differently here. Um, you know, it's just so different, but it's a huge opportunity to learn. Um, but they're so different everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the big issues. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. That's one of the big issues that we run into here is, um, Granted, the Native American population is, is different than uh, your typical Anglo uh, population, but even within the Native American side of things, there are some dramatic differences. There's 560 
recognized tribes and reservations in the United States. There's 19 different Pueblos and reservations just in New Mexico. Uh, Marshall mentioned it a minute ago about Oklahoma and the way that Native Americans are there relative to the cultural aspects here. Uh, my kids actually live in, in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, and they are bona fide card-carrying Choctaw Indians. And I have a redheaded son that has hair redder than yours, Kate, and um, he is a totally different type of Native American student versus the students that we have here. And so one thing that everybody needs to keep in mind is you have to take into consideration your geographic location and how those groups have, um, and I hate to use the word assimilated, but how that their specific culture and their specific region has taken on the characteristics of the region where they happen to be located. And that drives a lot of what uh, goes on with each individual tribe. So you know, one of the things in your study you looked at, Marshall, was their interest in agriculture. And so what, what did you find out there that would be different, or, that would, would inform, help us inform teachers on what's going on here, in addition to the, the overall culture issue, but specifically about what the Native Americans felt about the issue of agriculture? There's really no differences in, in what those students believe about ag compared to anybody else that's ever asked a high school student about their interest in ag. Uh, the, the instrument that I based my project off of was a project by Fraze and Wingenback a few years ago where they looked at student perceptions of ag before and after a um, kind of a literacy program. And really what it boils down to is it really doesn't matter where you're at. Kids are kids and their interests in ag are not unlike a lot of other students out there. It's just the next step and how they use their interest in ag to drive what they do after high school is really where the big differences begin to uh, take shape. You know, though, they're not entire differences because I was thinking about this podcast before we had started recording and thought, I wonder how this is going to relate to, you know, I taught in Western Kentucky and there's very, very little, if any, Native American or tribal influence right at the high school in which I taught. And I thought, how, if I'm a teacher uh, that doesn't have any considerable Native American population to which I'm serving, how is this going to resonate? But what I'm hearing you say is a lot of things that are similar to other populations. So um, while some of the cultural differences may be there, there are some aspects that really kind of go beyond that cultural um, aspect. So like, for example, what you're talking about with the um, that value of family and how sometimes that family value can um, create this uh, divide between high school and higher ed. I mean, you're talking rural brain drain there. And um, that is, if you haven't read Hillbilly Elegy, what you're describing sounds very, very similar to the rural culture of, are you, you know, if you leave us, you are better than us and um, you will be viewed negatively by your family and community because this is what matters most is here. And um, yeah, going out to do something different is viewed as kind of a slight to the family. So um, I think that's something that uh, a lot of ag teachers can uh, have students that, that kind of resonate with that. Right. And, you know, a lot of this transcends to, you know, rural Kentucky or, or rural Northwest Missouri where, where I grew up and taught. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't change the fact that teachers need to care about their students. And Absolutely. 
and look at what's most important for that student. And keep in mind that just because we think it's important for these students to go pursue higher education to help their families, those students' families may not perceive going and getting a, an education as helping their families. It's viewed oftentimes as complete and total abandonment. Uh, I read some work that uh, Northern Arizona University had done with some of the Navajos in Northeastern Arizona and students that had gone to, to Northern Arizona University and some of the issues that they ran into after stepping foot on campus. And 90% of the issues related to cultural issues at home, um, lack of awareness of the student's culture when they got to campus and no one on campus actually understanding what their wants, needs, and desires are, which then gets transferred back to their friends back in the reservation. And it's just a kind of a, a never ending yeah. circle where you, know, you can go, but there's nobody going to help you once you get there. That drives students away as well. Great. Well, Marshall, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. There are some great points for all of us to be thinking about whether we're dealing specifically with, um, you know, we have an opportunity to work with, with the Native American students in our chapters, our schools, to bring them in there. There's a lot of conversations for leaders of school-based ag ed and the National FFA to be thinking about. If we really want to talk about every student, every day, every classroom with ag education and FFA, how are we going to um, work with this variety of cultures, a lot of things for us to be thinking about. Marshall Swafford, Eastern New Mexico State University, thank you so much for spending time with us today on Owl Pellets. Uh, be sure to check out the work that he's doing and the, the things that are going on at that university. Um, thanks for being with us today. Thank you guys, appreciate it. The University of Florida's Department of Agricultural Education and Communication offers graduate certificates to expand your professional experience in agriculture and natural resources. Our certificates are designed for both non-degree seeking students and those pursuing advanced degrees anywhere in the world. If you are interested in refining your teaching or leadership skills to make a greater impact on the world, our certificate programs are a great place to start. AEC is proud to empower agriculturalists who will become the next educators, the next communicators, and the next leaders for the Gator Good. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It'd also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.